Hello and welcome to Marketing Connected. In the lead up to the Digital Marketing Asia 2020 virtual conference in November, we will be chatting with our conference speakers on specific issues in the world of marketing, from digital transformation to customer experience and ad fraud, among others. Join us over the next few weeks as we unravel the ins and outs of digital marketing and hear from industry players on how you can jumpstart your journey. Today's guest is Matthew Gain, Senior Vice President, Head of Audible at Amazon Asia-Pacific. In his role, Matthew is responsible for developing Audible's business across Asia-Pacific. Prior to Audible, Matthew was Chief Operating Officer at Edelman Australia, Asia-Pacific Head of Digital at Weber Shandwick, and UK Consumer PR and Social Media Manager at Microsoft. Matthew shares his candid thoughts on challenges on building a strategy in the mobile space, ensuring marketing and finance speak the same language, and his pet peeves when it comes to brand executions on mobile. Hi, Matthew. Thank you for joining us. Now, I know you are responsible for developing Audible's business across Asia Pacific, but for the benefit of our listeners, could you share a little bit more about what you do? Sure. Uh, and thanks for having me uh, on your podcast, Janice. Uh, so what I do on a daily basis, Basis is ultimately developing and um, building the Audible business across Asia Pac, as you said. Uh, what that means is ultimately I get to work with um, a, a large team of talented people uh, in, in in diverse places as um, Australia, India, Singapore, uh, and here in Japan, where I'm located. Um, across everything from marketing to content creation. I get to work with a lot of our product and tech team in Newark around envisaging and, and planning how we can create and improve the service for our customers. So it's it's a pretty diverse role. I get to do lots of different things and, and no day is the same. I think that's pretty much the same for a lot of people nowadays. But um, yeah, I get to, to sit across a lot of stuff and um, and work with some pretty amazing people. You have experience in both the client and agency side, having worked at Edelman, um, Weber Shandwick, and Microsoft before joining Audible. How have those experiences helped you in your current role? I mean, all, all the time I reflect back on my time in agency, and I think that what what that taught me was was a few things. First, um, customer obsession, or or in in agency we used to talk about client obsession. So just you know, really keeping in mind in the forefront the customer and how important they are. And I think that that's been a great, um, you know, that was a big foray into working at Audible and where customer obsession is really, really important. I think the the other thing that working in agencies allowed me to do is in an agency, you will typically work across um, multiple briefs at one time and you, you're constantly having to get up to speed on very diverse problems very quickly. Uh, and I think in, in a job like Audible where I, you know, one moment I could be talking about the latest content we're going to be commissioning and which celebrity narrators we should be using um, right through to how much we should be spending on our acquisition costs on our a mobile app install campaign. I think that that ability to move quickly and, and be across many things and, and get up to speed quickly has been really invaluable and something that um, I've benefited from having in an agency environment. Let's focus on the topic of mobile, shall we? As we all know, mobile is an integral part of our marketing mix today. What are some of the challenges clients still face in building a strategy in the mobile space in Southeast Asia? I mean, I think when I think about mobile marketing, I think 
a lot of the challenges are around data uh, and, and I kind of put that into a few different categories. You know, I think first and foremost, you've got to have access to the data and then a granularity with that data so that you can inform and, um, and, and better optimise your campaigns. At Audible, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about attribution, deduplication and, and, and also avoiding fraud. Um, and so we work with a range of mobile measurement partners to help improve uh, our targeting and our effectiveness on, on mobile and use that with, with partners. We work a lot, uh, you know, we do a lot of work um, via our media agency with Facebook and Google primarily in, in the mobile space and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time making sure that we're optimising their algorithms, aligning that up with um, user data that we're seeing um, to adjust that. Of course, there's going to be some changes coming up with iOS 14 that's, that's going to make um, necess necessitate marketers everywhere to adjust and approach their data um, attribution and, and, and management. And so we're preparing for that. But I guess that that, that moves me to the next challenge around data, and that is, you know, interpretation of the data. I think that sometimes there's a tendency, we have, we have an abundance of data nowadays, that there is um, a temptation to get lost in the data and really go crazy on adjusting each and every little small thing about a mobile campaign. And mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important as marketers that we don't forget our core objectives and use the data to to come back to our core objectives, but not not just get lost in the data and use data for data's sake. And I think that that brings me almost to the last point. And um, you know, data is incredibly important, um, and optimization of, of of targeting and what have you. And you can spend so much time on that, but I think it's really important not to forget some of the fundamentals of marketing as well, and and how important creative is. You know, at the end of the day, we're talking to, to people and whilst we reach those people through very complex algorithms, um, people respond to great creative and I think that you've got to make sure that the creative that you're putting into market is relevant, is eye-catching and is, um, you know, creating cut through. So those are the three challenges I, I would say. Data, you've really got to understand it and make sure that you're optimising that and working with your media partners to be um, working with their algorithms to ensure that that's improving over time. Secondly, don't forget what your core objectives are don't get lost in the data and optimize for optimization's sake and then finally don't forget creative creative is so important uh, and I think that um, you know we you would never overlook creative in a traditional media um, platform and I think we need to make sure that we're thinking about it through mobile as well I like the point about creative there's this whole debate about data versus creative when it comes to creating a campaign you know whether the team should take a more data driven approach or rely on their gut feel. How can marketers balance these two aspects? Do you know what I think the answer is data on both fronts? Um, you know, at, at Audible, we do a lot of A-B testing. We're, not a lot. We're constantly A-B testing creative. Uh, and so we're using data to inform the creative. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that 
I don't think they're separate. I think that um, you know data is how you measure effectiveness, um, and um, and and you can measure creative in exactly the same way. So at Audible, we're constantly A B testing um, various creative to improve. Um, all the time and, and, and constantly tweaking and adjusting and things change over time. And so um, that's that's how you determine. I don't think it's I, – I, I don't believe that creative is, is gut feel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 you've got to be constantly optimising that and, and being brave and putting, putting into the market things that you might have a gut feel could be better, but then testing that very quickly and, and, and working out, is it right, was my gut right? You also talked about not forgetting your core objectives and don't get lost in the data. But, you know, I guess one challenge that marketers still face is that they might have too much data and are unable to make sense of it. How can marketers get started on that? Yeah, I think that it is really important that people don't look at individual marketing channels in silos. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by that is that you... You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to have person A looking at the mobile channel, optimizing it, and working out that they've got something really good on, on, on mobile, and then, and then somebody else that might be looking at search, optimizing in a in a completely different silo, um, and then, and then you find out that the acquisition cost for search is half the price that someone might be um, doing in a mobile app install um, campaign, for instance. But because those two people are operating in silos, you're not adjusting for that. And so that's what I mean by core objectives. You know, I think at, at Audible, our core objective is growing. Our member base is is one of our core objectives. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, we have um, marketing directors that sit across the, the channels and are constantly looking at how can we optimize, how can I shift budget out of this channel into that because this is working really well at the moment and that one's working a little bit. You know, that work that channel A is working equally well, but I can get it cheaper on channel B, so adjusting mm-hmm. and pulling those levers constantly. I think that that's what I'd say about not, not being lost in the data and, and making sure that you're remembering uh, what your core objectives are. Well, thanks for bringing up iOS 14. It has been the talk of the town for a couple of months now. And I wanted to ask, how do you foresee this impacting marketers? I think it's going to have a fundamental um, shift in, in how, um, how marketing attribution works. Uh, I, my expectation is that when we're going to see the vast majority of our customers and, and all end users, I, I don't think many are going to be clicking um, you know, accept to, to sharing that data. Uh, and so I think it, it's going to have um, a fundamental impact on how we, uh, how we market. But I think it, you know, it, it's going to come back at the end of the day, which is, is going to make all of those other components just as important. As I mentioned, creative, it's going to come right to the fore uh, and uh, making sure that you're, you're looking back at your core objectives. So look, I think that I don't think we're going to lose all the data. There'll, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be a lot of things that we can um, that we can choose, but the, the customer is going to make the decision. And you know, as the old saying goes, the customer's right. And so I think ultimately we do need to believe that this is what customers want, and and we need to we need to understand that and and adjust, as marketers always have, you know. And so we've always, you know, you've all you always want more data, and there's never surety. 
Um, and so this this is just the latest um, the latest challenge that smart marketers will need to um, need to address. What other data points will you be looking at? Uh, look, I think we look at myriad data points uh, across everything, mm-hmm. uh, and and we're, we're a highly data driven business, as as I'm sure you would expect, being yeah. part of the Amazon ecosystem. And so we use data to inform all of our buying decisions and all all of the decisions we make as a business. Uh, and and there really is myriad data points that we look at. So. Um, you know, we might lose this one data point, but there's, there's so many others. And I think being a, an online business, we're in a very fortunate position that all of the customer activity happens online. And so we are able to track many, many um, components. And so, you know, whilst we might lose um, this this particular data set, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, through all everything else we have, um, that we'll be able to survive and um, and and continue to prosper and 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 deliver successful um, targeted marketing campaigns that that the customer is is willing to accept. Could you share with us one or two of those data points? I'm not prepared <laughs> to go into into all the all the data and how we we um, you know our secret herbs and spices, but um, suffice to say that there's many things that we look at. We will be taking a short break. If you would like to join us at Digital Marketing Asia 2020 as we dive into topics such as transformation, data and analytics and e-commerce, head to conferences.marketing-interactive.com slash digital-marketing-asia. When it comes to building a strategy around mobile, what has your experience at Audible been like so far? Yeah, so I started um, with the business in 2016. Um... What we were seeing at that time, you know, it was it was very simple, uh, and and you know, I, I, I want to make it clear that I was one of of a team of many people that that worked on on this. So none of these things were necessarily all of my ideas, but you know, we came when I started with the business. It was very easy to see how many of our customers were engaging with us on a mobile platform uh, versus, say, a desktop platform, and and so right from the get go, we're like, huh, okay. Um, the majority of our customers are reaching us and interacting with us in a mobile environment. No surprises there where ultimately Audible is an app that sits on your phone. Uh, and so from, from very early on, we're like, okay, well, we've, we're going to have to exist and operate in a mobile-first environment. And I, I don't think that in, in many respects that doesn't, that doesn't mean that your marketing strategy is radically different. What it does mean is obviously your interfaces need to be optimized for a mobile a, a, a mobile surface. Okay, mm-hmm. easy to do. You also then have to think about your um, creative and your marketing from um, an online perspective. And and you know I was very fortunate. We had brilliant creative always um, in Audible since we started. We work with a great um, a great agency, Emotive, in Australia, which is where I started. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work that we were doing, you know, we weren't creating standard TVCs that were 30 seconds in length and, and, and were created to exist between the content that people were really interested in. We knew that from a mobile environment that people were – going to be seeing our ads as they flick through, you know, a newsfeed a lot of the time. And so when we were thinking about brand awareness, we wanted to make sure that we were creating content 
that had a viral element to it or had an element of I want to watch that and the way we achieved that was working through you know we worked with people that had a, an audience um, online we worked with celebrities um, and uh, we, we we created content that had at its heart you know obviously a brand message around audible but um, at its heart was was not an ad it was designed to be content it was designed to be entertaining and some of the first ads we made were over two minutes in length and we we got great uh, engagement on that even despite that because it was funny and it, people wanted to share it and and when we were looking at the comments underneath the vast majority of the comments underneath any any ad assets that we were launching mm -hmm. were just people tagging tagging other other friends you know like at Janice have a look at this um, and uh, so that was that, that was really um, how we knew that it was it was getting cut through uh, so I think that those are some of the ways that we thought about obvious obviously we had a, a very high you know I mentioned before audible is a data rich business and so yeah. performance marketing was always a core component of our our, our strategy and um, that works in a mobile environment um, just as you know that, that that works and so we were always very very accountable to the marketing dollars that we were investing what were some of the challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? I mean, all, all, all of the same challenges that, that, that anyone um, faces. I think that, um, you know, we're constantly, we're constantly trying to weigh up how much we should be spending mm -hmm. around, you know, from a, from a last click attribution perspective. I guess that that's one of the challenges that we had very early on and we're still trying to work out. And I think that it's one of the biggest challenges of marketing. How much should I be investing in awareness, top of funnel, um, top of funnel marketing and how much should I be investing at bottom of funnel conversion? And, you know, when you look at a last click attribution, you're like, well, search seems to be doing really well. Maybe we need to spend more money in search. But, you know, we, we all know that if we're not, if we're not building uh, and investing appropriately at the top of funnel, um, to build awareness and build demand, you're just not going to have that search um, search demand there. So I think that that's one of the challenges. And I don't think that that's a, a mobile challenge per se. I think that that's mm -hmm. a marketing challenge. But that's something that we're constantly trying to work out. And there's no easy answer on that. Obviously, we're always testing what impact if we, if I put awareness advertising into the market what sort of return am I seeing? What sort of uptake am I seeing in search? What sort of uptake am I seeing in our app install campaigns um, so that you can attribute that back? But it's, it's not always that simple. And as all marketers tend to know, brand advertising is long-term and, and not, immediately, um, not immediately measurable. And so I think that that's mm. what I would say is, has been our biggest challenge. It's interesting you talked about spend because... Audible is part of Amazon and people might tend to think that because you are under such a huge company, you must have big marketing budgets and a big team. What advice do you have for listeners who might not have deep pockets or big teams? I don't know that it's the right assumption to think that we've got big budgets and, um, and big, big teams, I think. I think we've got very smart teams uh, and, and that means that we use our budget effectively. Um, so what, what I would say is I think that first and foremost, when I, I think about marketing and how I, I manage our marketing teams, I think the first thing is, is know what I call know your metrics. 
and, and I've got a, a term that I use called watching the dials and I equate that to you know, people that work at a nu nuclear reactor are constantly looking at all of the dials inside a nuclear reactor control room to make sure that mm -hmm. everything is running okay. Um, thankfully, running a marketing budget is not as um, dangerous per se as, as running a nuclear reactor, but I think the same, uh, the same ethos exists. You need to be constantly looking at the dials, working out what is working and what is not and then um, then adjusting your strategy constantly in response to what you're seeing. I think you need to be heavily data-driven um, and so constantly be watching the dials to work out what is working and not and adjusting. I think that that's the, the, the first thing that I would say is, is what ev everyone needs to be doing. You need mm -hmm. to plan, but be prepared that that plan is going to be changing constantly. Um, have great partners. You know, we work with we work with a great um, media agency in in all of the places where we operate across Asia Pac. Um, but we also um, we also work have great internal um, knowledge and data capabilities so that we um, we we're, we're understanding that. And then we also work very closely with our media partners. We work uh, incredibly closely with Google, and we work closely with Facebook. So, you know, for for those with small small teams and small budgets. Be really across, be really across the, your data, and adjust mm -hmm. your strategy um, in, in relation to that. Be really clear on how your marketing is driving back to your core business objectives, uh, and be clear that that you understand that link. Uh, because if you don't understand that, you might be spending and, and wasting budget in the wrong direction. Th those are the fundamentals from my perspective, and I think that it's the same if it's a small team or it's a big team, but. You know, I don't care how big or small the budget is. I don't want to waste any of it. And, and um, that, it's really important. Earlier on, you said that brand advertising is long-term and not immediate. It's common knowledge that marketing and finance speak a different language and marketing always has to prove how the team can achieve their ROI. How can marketers speak to finance teams and make them understand what marketing is about? It's a really good question. And it's something that um, we think a lot about I think the onus is on the marketing team to educate finance departments on how marketing works. And I believe the best way to do that is, is with data and, and making numbers-based arguments. You know, I think that uh, I've, I've, I've had discussions with finance people in the past where they're like, well, what's the acquisition numbers we're putting against this TV spend? Um, and you're like, well, that's not going to drive acquisition. And so they're like, well, why are we spending so much money? Let's cut that. Um, but, you know, once you can show them that, well, when we're running this TV campaign, we, what we can observe is that we see an uptick mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in our search or a drop in our, how much we're paying for search. We can see an uptick in our mobile in-store campaign. Uh, and then, and then that, that uptick continues even when we're off air. I think those data-led arguments can be really helpful to inform and educate a finance department. A finance department isn't about, you know, I think sometimes the tendency is we think that they just want to stop spending. They don't want to stop spending. They just want to make sure that where we're spending, we're getting a, a solid return on investment. And I think through data and through test and learn approaches and through holdout tests that you can really easily educate um, a finance department and find that they can be, become really valuable partners. Uh, that's, that's kind of the approach that we've taken and it's, it's always been really successful. 
What are some of the pet peeves you have when it comes to brand habits or executions on mobile? I mean, the, my pet peeves on, um, uh, around, around mobile are similar to my pet peeves around um, all digital advertising. And I think that, you know, first and foremost, I think it's like a lack of segmentation mm-hmm. um, and, and, and maybe frequency capping. You know, we've, we all dread that time, you, you, you know, you go look at something and then or, or even you buy a pair of shoes and then that shoe company is, is chasing you around the web for the next yes. 30 or even 60, <laughs> 60 days. You're like, I bought you, go away. <laughs> or like, or like I, was, I was looking at you as a joke. I was never going to buy you. Stop, stop following me. You know, so frequency capping is, is a challenge. Um, so I think that's a bit of a pet peeve, but also segmentation. I think that there's, there's apps. Um, I moved to Japan in, in January and have been learning Japanese. And I, um, there was a, an app, a language app that I was subscribed to. And it would just send me basically the same, the same inane push notification every day until the point where, you know, I, I turned the thing off and, and, and unsubscribed. And, and it was kind of like, you know I'm not engaged. Why aren't you saying, hey, Matthew, you know, your Japanese ain't going to get better if you're not practicing. <laughs> um, and, but, uh, you know, there was none of that. And, and digital can do that. So I think what I'd say is a lack, of, a lack of segmentation, targeting and kind of frequency capping is one of those things. I think another pet peeve is kind of messaging inconsistency across channels. I mentioned before the scenario where, you know, someone's in charge of search and maybe someone else is in charge of mobile app install and someone else is in charge of what we're doing on TV and you just end up with a really inconsistent approach to the customer. Uh, I think we need to remember that the customer, you know, customers don't live in marketing channels. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, oh, have you been to Facebook? <laughs> I, I don't do Facebook. I do Google search. Um, you know, and, and so customers watch TV. They, they um, you know, they see outdoor. They're looking at Facebook. They're on, they're using Google search. They're also looking at news websites. And so I think we need to make sure that that messaging is consistent across the channels. And then I guess my final pet peeve is just, and this is particularly on mobile, just poor customer journeys, mm-hmm. taking me from a um, clicking on an, on an ad, getting really excited or interested in something and then ending up on uh, a website that's not optimized for mobile. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been really surprised at how often that's happening here in Japan. You know, I switched banks because their website wasn't optimized for mobile, which is just just seems crazy in 2020. You know, we're not; it's not 2010 anymore. I don't want to be zooming and pinching and zooming on a, <laughs> on a website. Um, so, you know, poor customer journeys and and you know, or sites that don't load quickly. So, I guess those are those are some of my pet peeves. In your opinion, should mobile be a channel for brand awareness or performance? I think um, you've only got to look at um, when I think about India. Um, in in India, there's customers there where the mobile uh, mobile is their entertainment platform. It's their communication platform. It's their uh, it's their information platform. I how do I do this? What do I what does this mean? How do I mm-hmm. get to that place? Um, and 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 they, they they may not they may not be using other. It's like their primary screen, and so I think that you've got to look at mobile 
not as awareness or performance. I think you've, you've got to see it as, and, and, and I think this is going to increasingly become the case. You know, when I look at my children, how they interact, they, they very rarely use, use anything other than mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think it's got to be all of those things. I think you've got to be building a brand on, on mobile. I think you've got to be converting customers on mobile. Um, but it's not one or the other. I think it's, I think it's both and everything in, be- in between, you know, like it's mid funnel as much as it is performance, as much as it is awareness. So mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think you can say mobile is one thing, you know, and, and, you know, search exists. Most Google searches I imagine uh, are, are occurring on mobile now. So, the, you know, do I need to have a mobile search strategy and a desktop search strategy? Of course not. Um, so I think you, you need to mobile, it has many channels within it, um, and so uh, it's not one or the other. There's always the issue of brand safety and ad fraud in the digital space. How can brands safeguard against mobile ad fraud? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's something that um, something that we have looked at very closely. And I think it's a, a challenge for, for for many for many businesses. We spend a lot of our, um, you know, and you see this, you you see a lot of budgets are with with Google uh, and and with Facebook, and I think that they they are with those platforms because they are, are trusted and and, um, and 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 have the safest environments. So I, I think you know there, there are other trusted providers we use as well, but the, the majority of our marketing budget is with Google and Facebook, and, and mm-hmm. primarily that's because they're the cleanest and safest environments with the the lowest levels of fraud. So um, I think the onus is on networks, mobile networks and, 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 and all providers to be eradicating fraud as much as possible. Uh, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on necessarily what the techniques and, and that are that mobile networks should be employing around that, but I, I do know that we have um, the majority of our spend with Google and Facebook, A, because we have an end-to-end environment and we can tell that we're getting our most efficient customers from those platforms, mm-hmm. um, and B, because we know that, that that it's clean. So the data and the um, business performance directs us towards those, and uh, I think that it, the data and, and business directs us towards those because they have the smallest amounts of fraud. Thank you for listening to Marketing Connected, and stay tuned for another Digital Marketing Asia 2020 episode next week. If you are interested in signing up for the upcoming Digital Marketing Asia 2020 virtual conference, click the link attached to the episode description or head to www.marketing-interactive.com. We hope to see you there.